when I ask this question, I actually know the answer, but this time I genuinely do not know to the the answer to the question of where are you? You know I'm in Chile, right? That's you can locate me to that. I I no, I think I'd no, but I don't think I could. I think I knew it was South America, and I think at that point that's where it stopped. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in Chile. That was the that was the honeymoon plan. So we've been kind of touring around Chile. At the moment, I'm in Patagonia, which is possibly one of the most famous places in Chile, apart from Santiago, I imagine. So yeah, I've been exploring the mountains, doing a lot of hiking, a lot of trekking, as you have seen from my Instagram post. I tell you what, there's nothing like this sort of scenery to up your Instagram game, which clearly needed upping from my perspective. <laughs> it's basically pictures of my dog. And then now, every view, everything we go to is just incredible the view from the room okay so last a few days ago we were in Chiloé 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 Island is where we were staying so we had this big window in our hotel and one morning Ben just said oh there's some dolphins just some dolphins just jumping about yeah just swimming about I mean just right I mean I'd probably say outside your window 200 meters away from our window and we just kind of had our morning coffee watching the dolphins going okay cool there they are so I mean we just have extraordinary scenery and as I say my my Instagram game has been upped to some ridiculous level and I feel bad because I'm kind of luring people in and then at the end of this trip it'll just go back to being pictures of my dog (laughs) that'll be it now this might sound a daft question um because as we're talking now this sort of a pointless question but have you are you in quite remote places can you completely switch off can you not be near a phone can you not be really near civilization or are you always near something Chiloé Island was really quite isolated it's not really a fashionable touristy place which is why we wanted to go there it was super quiet really wild we did a lot of walking we've done a lot of walking that's basically been the theme of of our 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 trip so far um we're in a bit more of a populated area now but it's the very beginning of the season so it's not quite it's spring here we're in the southern hemisphere so the summer of course it gets very busy so it's just starting to kind of gain a bit of momentum so it's not super busy but we also choose to not do the touristy things we try and do something different so everybody goes in one direction and we are the crazy people getting in a a bus going in the opposite direction to do something (laughs) pretty mad like climb a mountain which is what we did yesterday we just we just you could just see a mountain and we just climbed it walked all the way to the top it was pretty that was epic so no it's been amazing so far I mean we've been here just over a week and we got about we're about halfway so I've uh, just been trip of a lifetime already just the best the best thing ever but I am I do feel kind of bad for people I need to oh, I think I'm gonna need to make a statement on Instagram kind of being like okay it's over now <laughs> there's no point in following me anymore <laughs> Unless you want pictures of Sven. <laughs> I did smile because you did do, I would call it, can I call it a tennis player photo? You did sure. one photo. I looked at it and went, oh, you've done that, have you? Yeah. Now, I don't know how long this one took or if it was a spur of moment one, but it was, it looked like it probably wasn't one of those infinity pools that doesn't really drop off the edge. Yeah. And the picture was just of the back of your head and your shoulders <laughs> just looking wistfully out into the distance. And I did have to it's a very nice photo, but I did smile because it was quite tennis player off-season photo. 
normally in the Maldives. Yeah, but it was, I felt like it was kind of very us because it was that tennis player photo of kind of in the pool, back of the head, looking at the view. But instead of the view being some sort of beach and coconuts and hammocks and and all sorts, it was just a mud plain. It was very pretty, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it was just, that's, that is literally the sort that's the trip that we wanted to do was just a very wild adventurous sort of trip we're not beach people we don't really relax I mean to be fair I took that picture I was in the pool for about five minutes because I just get bored quite quickly (laughs) (laughs) I just want to be doing stuff we don't really sit and rest our travel days are our rest days and the rest of the time we're just kind of exploring so um I I do think that was quite funny but I think you're right yeah I I felt like I had to do it we had to have that sort of picture, didn't we? I'm not sure whether we'd be good holiday mates because I like to explore, but I also like to do nothing. Because I kind of, my logic is you spend your whole life just being crazy and working and now children and rushing from one thing to the next. So when I finally went on holiday, I just wanted to stop. There'd be time in there not to stop, but largely you could give me a stack of books and a sunbed and I would quite happily just switch off. And so I think you'd be like prodding me, yeah. wouldn't you? Be like, come on, let's go and, I don't know, walk up this mountain or walk down this or go swim 10 kilometers like all the time. And I'd be like, no. Yeah, well, I'd just go. It'd be fine. Be like, why do you spend the day by yourself? It's an amazing holiday. Have a nice time. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll just join each other for dinner. Uh, but no, no, I totally understand how people want to do it. It's not kind of like I look at people and I think, how can you just sit on a beach? I mean, sitting on a beach is amazing. What an incredible luxury. I totally understand it. You ultimately want to go on holiday to somewhere that is better than your life, I guess. Is that that it? Oh, that's a horrible way to put it. And then you come back to your life and it's terrible. That's not what I mean. Sounds a bit grim, doesn't it? (laughs) Then you have to come back to reality. That's not what I mean. But you you don't want to go on holiday to somewhere that's worse than what you normally have okay i'm gonna stop talking because it sounds really bad we're having a lovely time the difference in this podcast that people might pick up on and the difference to other podcasts is i have got my standard massive mug of tea that i'm making my way yeah through you have a cocktail glass with (laughs) and that's definitely not the first one of the day is it as you take a swig (laughs) number two yeah it's really good it's called a pisco sour that's the national drink it's excellent. <laughs> we'll have <laughs> quite a few through the week. But that's the point is that we're kind of maxing out on everything. You, the more you walk, the more you can eat and drink. And it's perfect because we've done this all-inclusive thing. So the trips, are, the excursions are all-inclusive. The food and drinks are all-exclusive. So we're just maxing out on everything. We will be exhausted <laughs> when we get home. But we've had a good time. It's interesting because a lot of people, and when you mention all-inclusive, like, oh, you can't do that. That's going to be absolutely terrible. But sometimes it just makes sense, especially if you're going somewhere far away that's very expensive anyway. All-inclusive is fabulous because you haven't got to worry about the food. You haven't got to worry about the drink. Maybe in your cases, like excursions as well. I think sometimes all-inclusive is perfect. Definitely. Do you think some of the other tennis players have been doing it? You kind of... We have a difference in how we would do our holidays, Mine's a bit more sort of adventurous exploring. Yours is a little bit more rela- on the relaxing side. But the tennis players seem to be quite adventurous this year. Normally it's only beaches. It's kind of exclusively beaches. But lots of players have been... I mean, Sitsipas was in Iceland. I think 
team was in Iceland as well. I don't think they went together. But there have been a lot of photos of players kind of doing trips and excursions and going to see things and getting more involved. I don't know whether you feel like that or whether that's just me. Can I just quickly say my holidays are no longer relaxing. <laughs> just, I just want to make that. I just, Sorry. I now, I now dream of a book in a sunbed because <laughs> that is something I might not get for another, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. Um, holiday, yeah, they have been... I mean, I've still seen an awful lot of Maldive exotic holidays. Like, Sasha Zverev is currently with his new girlfriend and Marcelo Mello. Uh, the three of them enjoying the holiday <laughs> together. <laughs> I just love that Marcelo Mello is always there. It doesn't matter He's what the situation there. is. On Zverev's Instagram or Twitter, it doesn't matter what the picture is. You know... That if Mello is not in the picture, he's taking he's the taking picture. It. That's it. It's I just I know. it's I mean it's I, I get that they're it? best friends, but it, this is another level. I mean, we're really good friends, but you are not here in Chile with me and Ben. No, I'm <laughs> I, I've got my cup of tea, I've got my Christmas tree to one side, I'm very kind of UK Christmassy while you're in Chile with your, your local Chilean cocktail. But it's you know, they are very No, I, I agree with you. There seem to have been a lot of people have gone to Scandinavia. There seem to be a lot of Scandinavian pictures, people surrounded by kind of... There's been the usual Daniel Medvedev, Karen Hishanov, lots of Maldive photos from those fellas. But there's been a few, as you mentioned, Dominic Team, who is now single, no longer with Kiki Mladenovic, who has been posting pictures from Dubai with her brother doing her pre-season. But quite a few people, it seems have decided to kind of get all snowy and cold, which I think is great. I mean, at this time of year, I think that's the perfect thing to do. Yeah. No, I love it. So so what of it, of the of the tennis world? I've <laughs> I have been completely isolated. I haven't paid attention to anything. So for me, it's just kind of season's over, nothing's happening. I've been kind of looking a little bit on social media and seeing some of the, the brilliant holidays. But yeah, what's what's the news? What's the gossip? Has it not infiltrated your world at all? Have you totally escaped tennis while in Chile? Haven't heard anything. I've talked a lot about Christian Garin <laughs> since I've been out here, which is fair enough because on every trek that you do, the the guide that is with you is kind of say, oh, so what do you do and whatever. And of course, you know, by the time you get to it, say, oh, I work with the, in the tennis and, uh, and that sort of thing. Oh, Christian Garin. And uh, yeah, and it's interesting because the general opinion seems to be that he has not fulfilled his potential. Now, we know that he was a really top junior and that it took him a little while to get off the mark and other people his age kind of flew up the rankings and he didn't quite... And it's taken him a while to adapt to the senior tennis and develop the weapons. But I keep saying to people, no, 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 he's had a really good year. Like, he's he's doing well. He's ranked highly. I just commentated on him in, in Davis Cup in Madrid. And uh, I think people at the beginning of the year, because he'd been slightly struggling for a while... Maybe the the Chilean tennis fans had made their minds up and just kind of been like, ah, Garen, you know, he, he could have, but he's not going to do it. Because, you know, people do have that sort of short-term mentality in tennis because it, it used to be a thing, kind of, if you didn't make it by 22, well, yeah, you were kind of toast, weren't you? Whereas now you've got people coming through 25, 27, that sort of thing, playing their best tennis in their 30s. 
So I found myself actually quite consistently, sometimes thousands of metres above sea level, <laughs> desperately out of breath, but trying so hard to get this guy to understand, no, 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 keep backing Christian. He can do it. He's had a great year. It just took him a little while. And they're kind of going, nah, I don't know. I mean, the guy was great when he was a junior and all that. I'm, no, he's doing really well. So uh, so that's been quite interesting. That's been a, a repetitive conversation I've had. So I've, I felt like I've been sort of a, a guarantee cheerleader for the week but it's interesting with Christian Garen and his coach they talk a lot about the fact that he did feel a little bit I think I don't know whether bitter is too strong a word but he felt a little bit left behind because all the guys whose age group he was in were going forward and making headlines and he didn't seem to be moving and his coach said that was a big thing the mentality of Christian Garen at the start was like almost like a chip on his shoulder why am I not doing what they're doing because I was as good as those guys at some level and I always think that must be really hard because I, I remember in, in football we would cover it used to be called the reserve leagues so you're looking at 16 17 year olds and the amount of players you would lose from the age of 16 17 <laughs> is that still cocktail number two <laughs> um, the, the the amount of players you'd look at this player say this midfielder who's running the show who's doing everything you're thinking this kid is incredible then you'd never hear from them again because there's like a almost like a black hole you think of the amount of footballers you've got say age 16 17 to actually making that leap to be 18 19 year olds in the first team a lot of them disappear a lot of them leave yeah. football all together there is just because you're looking someone at 16 who's incredible does not mean they're going to be the finished product and that must be that must be really hard and it felt listening to a couple of interviews with Christian Garen's coach that that was a little bit the mentality of Christian Garen that he, he felt he should have done and he couldn't believe he hadn't done it yeah but I actually th now that I've been in Chile and talking to <laughs> all of these sort of Chilean <laughs> sports fans that and, and you know they talk to me about the footballers as well I mean look Marcelo Rios comes up a lot it's <laughs> just like Rios way. as soon as I mention tennis it's just kind of bang and, look I get it look it's great <laughs> so we have a nice time but um yeah I just I now almost understand like, those interviews and, and the conversations that you were just relaying there. Like, you know, I've heard them as well. And and I, I, maybe the that sort of mentality came from outside. Maybe it was external because maybe that was the media's perspective was kind of like, well, it seems like you're messing this up. You had all this talent and you're not quite doing what everybody else is doing. And maybe that's what was getting to Garen because if so consistently across the board, people are kind of... I mean, look, I'm, we're talking about a very small sample of people here, but it's probably about four or five so far. <laughs> and it is it is quite a common thing of just kind of, ah, oh, he could have been good. Or, oh, no, what was it? No, it's, it's quite consistently, yeah, you know, I don't think he's going to do it. And I'm saying, no, 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 he's doing it. <laughs> he knew this year he's actually started really doing it like, whatever you think it is but are they have they been following this year and they still think he's never going to do it or have they basically switched off in the past because he hadn't been doing it I think it's more that they are they're super tennis fans no, no no sorry they're not super tennis fans is what I mean <laughs> they are kind of general sports fans so they know about Christian Garin because he is a fantastic talent and look Chile has had a, a good history with players and that is you know they, they they like tennis it's not their biggest sport of course football is but um, and I, I just think like there was kind of an attitude probably some point last year in 2018 of a kind of, nah, we feel like he's maybe falling a bit flat. And 
people maybe started not paying as much attention. And then, you know, when I say to them, no, no, he's actually doing well now this year. But maybe it was because they stopped paying attention that the pressure was released a little bit and then he could kind of progress. It's just very interesting because, you know, we know a lot about this sort of stuff with the British players because we get to see all of the British press and we hear the conversations and we hear the players talking all the time. You know, you're following every single second of it. Whereas with somebody like Christian Garin, who's, you know, from Chile, we watch his matches and we hear his interviews, but we're not really following it in that much detail because we're not here. We don't read the Chilean press and and whatever they might say about him after Roland Garros or whatever it might be. So I just find it fascinating that it's possibly something quite similar in that people started I don't want to say give up I don't think they were giving up on him but they started to just go nah maybe he's not going to do it Um, and actually that might have been the best thing that happened to him I have to say in terms of this end at this time of year it's it's the coaching merry-go-round Oh, has that it, been happening? It's who's leaving who and joining. So, and there's and there'll be people sort of screaming at this, going, you've missed out this and that. But just a few headlines. Um, Conchita Martinez stopped working with Caroline Pliskova. Big shock. She is back with Garbina Muguruza, who she was with when right. Muguruza won Wimbledon. I wonder which one came first. Did she stop working with Pliskova to work with Muguruza? Or did oh, yeah, she stop working with Pliskova and then oh. Muguruza said, oh, hey, we did well. <laughs> Let's do that again. Well, now, working with Karolina Pliskova is Danny Valverde. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. Has he coached on the women's side before? I'm I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't think he has, actually. Because he was with Team Andy, wasn't he, for a while? And then potentially trialled with a couple of other ATP players before settling with Dimitrov. He's trialled with Burdick. No, sorry. He trialled with Del Potro. He worked with Burdick. He worked with Dimitrov. Most recently, he was part of Team Vavrinka. Yes. So I don't think he has, because the first time we really saw of it, saw him was with Team Murray, wasn't it? So this must be his first first go at the WTA. Oh, that would be exciting. And Sasha Bain is with Yastremska. Ooh, I like that. Why do you like that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just think that's great. I mean, Yastremska's got the world at her feet really hasn't she it's it, it, it's one of those look there are a lot of women on the wta who are in that situation she's not the only one but in terms of got the talent got the drive got the maturity the mentality and it's just all about what now happens how is that channeled how is it focused how does the game develop how do you respond to losses moving forward and well I think Bayern is, uh, you know, he's he's proven, isn't he? He's done a, a fantastic job. So that is that's an interesting one. Max Murney. Now, who? Let's how we can play a guessing game. Which team has Max Murney joined? Oh, the ATP team. Do you know what? I, I mean, I, I I do kind of know Max. He's one of the the nicest people around. But I'm going to say that he's working with somebody in the top ten. Who? Oh, is it, am I right though? Uh, I'm just trying to think if he's. I think he's just outside the top ten. Now. <laughs> I can't believe how out of touch I am. <laughs> I'm going to have to do about a week of research before January starts. <laughs> it's just, just a week. I, I just don't know what's going on. Somebody just outside the top 10. Yes. They were close to making London, but they didn't quite make it. And then they fell away a little bit because they had an injury and they had to have a little operation to get back in pre-season for December. Nishikori? There we go. 
Oh, no way. <laughs> oh, wow. Max Murney's working with Nishikori. Dante Bettini has left and Michael Chang is still there. And and the only other one that got a little bit of discussion in this country because of who he used to coach was Freddie Rosengren retired and therefore stopped working with Kyle Edmund because he had yep. done years and years of travelling. Oh, has he got a new job now? He's out of retirement. <laughs> Oh, okay. And he's working with... Oh, have a guess at this one. Not Kyle Edmund, I assume. <laughs> he's not He's not back working with Kyle Edmund. He's working with Karen Hashanov. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. I like that. Mm. I'm a big fan of Freddie. I think he's a fantastic coach. He is... He's tough as nails. From the conversations I've heard or overheard, he doesn't take any nonsense. It is just straight down the line. This is how hard you work. This is how you get it done. So I'm, I hope Karen is ready for that. I'm sure he is. I imagine you said there was kind of conversation about it I or discussion about it. I imagine that is because he said he was retiring, right? Is this like a Leighton Hewitt retirement that's never going to actually end? <laughs> there was just a few people that said, oh, hang on, I thought he had retired. And wasn't he retiring and he didn't want to travel any anymore? Or was it? And then people start saying, is it because he didn't want to work with Carla? But maybe it was just at the time. We saw this with Darren Cale and Simona Hallett. He did want to spend some time at home and Darren Cahill has rejoined Team Hallett, but he wanted a break from it. I know he still did his TV stuff, but maybe in the case of Rosengren, it was just he needed some time away from it, realised he did miss it. and Or maybe he got a phone call. Maybe he got a phone call and he could not refuse the opportunity of working with Karen Hashanoff financially or because of the talent that the players got, or maybe a combination of the two. Yeah, the, the Cahill thing's hilarious because he said he was going to have a year off to spend time with his family, didn't he? That was that was what he said. Even though he'd been hugely successful with Halep, we often see coaches leave after being very successful. I mean, Lendl with Murray after he won a couple of slams was like, great, my work is done. It is a perfect time for a coach to leave because um, you're in a no-lose situation. If the player continues to do really well, and it continues on that trajectory, you can say, look what I helped create. Did, aren't I such a fabulous coach? Look at what he's doing now, even without me. You know, I did such a great job. Um, and then if they start losing and it suddenly it's all terrible and they do sort of a Dimitrov and plummet all the way down, you can say, ah, uh, not the same without me. Clearly it was all me, not them. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of in a win-win when you get to the top. Actually, I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of joking. Nobody really thinks like that I don't don't believe but Cahill said he wanted a year off to spend with his family didn't even last a year he was back before the end of this season on team <laughs> which I, I felt like it was kind of inevitable they would probably get back together Cahill and Halep because there was absolutely no cause for it to end it was just Cahill was basically saying look I've given everything to getting you to be world number one win slams and we've done that. And can I just remind my family that I'm still <laughs> still around because the commitment is so huge, right? And and he's done that. And now he's back on the team. And I imagine that he may not be present every single week like he was before, but he'll still be there, you know, almost all of the time. So, um, yeah, but it just was funny that it wasn't even... He didn't even wait out at the end of the season and said, okay, we'll come back for January. It was, it was just, you know, Halep did that little video, didn't she? Just like, Darren's back. And then off they went. And then he was there in Shenzhen in the finals. It was great. I've probably missed out loads of other changes. They were just a few of the ones that caught my eye. But as I say, you've got loads to catch up on when you get back if you ever stop drinking those cocktails. Now, uh, <laughs> one, thing, one thing I wanted to tell you, you know how, 
how children say anything. And it's great because, you know, they don't, they just come out with stuff. And you're like, so if you've, I don't know, if you'd, if I'd said, oh, Naomi's a, a real pain to do the podcast with, the next yeah. time you saw them, they'd say, oh, that's Naomi. She's the pain to do the podcast with. And you're like, oh, God, yeah. you heard that stuff. So um, it was my birthday last weekend. And you get to an age that I'm at now. You don't talk about age. You Do you know how old I am? I genuinely, I was thinking this when I wished you a happy birthday the other day. <laughs> I was thinking, I genuinely have no idea how old you are. I mean, okay, you, could be, like that. you could be 25 for all I know. So Amazing. I'm going to go with that. Amazing. <laughs> so let's go with that. So but when you get to my age, you just stop talking about age. That's just the best thing for it. But we were, I was bringing the boys home from school on Friday, so the night before my birthday. And we're just walking along and da da da. And we bumped into one of the dads from, from the school, from a dad of a girl in their year, chatting away. And he's like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, oh, taking the boys to pantomime tonight. And I was like, oh, what a great way to start, you know, my birthday weekend. You know, how, you know, how life has changed. And they said, oh, is it your birthday? And then one of the twins started saying, yeah, mummy. And then this age, right? But what was worse, it was the wrong age. They went higher. Oh, was it? oh my God. How much higher? So there's how many Danny, years? There were, okay, so it was only one year. But oh, when but you get to my oh. age... That's Every year is fair. very important. Come on. No, it's it's very important. So they start saying, Oh yeah, mummy's like, I don't know, let's just say sixty-five or something. And I was like, uh no, 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 I'm not. Uh no, I'm I'm really not. And so then he's like, <laughs> Look at me as so I'm going, so they've just got it wrong and it's important they don't get it wrong. And it's and he was just looking at me thinking, So this obviously is her age <laughs> and she just didn't want me to know. And I'm thinking, boys, if you're gonna go around spouting out ages You've got to get it right. Well, I feel like one year is close enough. And they said, well, daddy told us you were this old. Would you have corrected your child if they'd gone one year younger? Or would you just have smiled and gone, yep, that's it? Um, I probably would have then, instead of being like, that's wrong, I'd probably say, we don't we don't talk about A's. Let's not say the number. Oh, you just just gloss over it and move on. Yeah. It, let's gloss over it. But they went <laughs> they went higher. And I was like, it's only a year, but that year is everything. And they were like, but daddy told us. And I was like, oh, we're going to have a conversation this evening. (laughs) (laughs) I love love that. I can just imagine him getting you kind of a birthday card. You know how with children you have the age on the front. I'm not (laughs) suggesting that that he got you a birthday card with your age on it. But if it was one year older than your actual age, that would be unreal. (laughs) Be so funny. Ben often gets me a card with my age on it. Does he? Or with, no, not with my age on it, with an age oh. on it. But it normally says, you're five. <laughs> That's happened a few times. You see, you see that, I wouldn't mind. I'd walk around with a badge and everything saying I'm five. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so luckily that, that weekend has passed now. So they've now moved on. They've now moved on to something completely different. And they're not, they're not discussing that anymore, which is good. Now, um, Betsy, I want to give Betsy a mention because she sent us a tweet. And she was talking about the Andy Murray documentary resurfacing. Oh, yeah. And actually, a number Have you of, seen it? Well, no, a number of people I worked with were going to the premiere, which was the, the day after Davis Cup finals back in London. Um, I feel really bad. No, I've been, I've had sort of children's Christmas films and Christmas trees and Christmas fairs, and I haven't watched it yet. And I do want to because Betsy says she's watched it and would love us to chat about it. Now, you have a very good reason not to have watched it. 
I'm a bit rubbish. So we are going to watch it at some point <laughs> and talk about it. Yeah, no, but this is good because we can do it together. We can kind of pick a week. We don't have to watch it together, but as in, we it's like a, rev- a film review. So then we, we both watch it and then we can review it. Okay. So that's fine because it's on, it's on Amazon. It's on Prime, isn't it? So I can watch when I get home. Okay, so we're going to watch that together but not together yeah. and then but I've heard it's incredible it wasn't the only tennis documentary that's come out recently and again I feel bad because I haven't seen this one either no well this one I'm in it but it's not about me <laughs> uh, but uh, definitely worth watching sorry just shine the limelight on me uh, I'm in it for a brief brief moment but um, no, they, they've done a, a documentary. BBC Alba has done a documentary, which is, I don't know why it's called Alba, actually, but I mean, it's essentially the Scottish BBC and they've done it in the Scottish language. Uh, but they have interviews with a lot of people, but it's on Elena Baltacha. She was a, a great friend of mine. And I, I think, to be honest, more than a friend, she was my mentor. I mean, I had no choice in the matter. And you'll find this out when you watch the documentary. Bal just she just charged ahead and I think I remember when I very first started playing I kind of cracked one joke and she just kind of looked at me and just went yep I'll look after you and that was it so she was then my mentor for (laughs) however however long I mean really up until she died and and uh, it, it's a it's a great documentary. It's had the collaboration of her family, so her, her her father speaks, her brother, all of her coaches. Judy Murray, of course, was hugely involved, and Kjotovong. A- anybody who was really close to Bali um, has been interviewed. And the point of it, you know, whilst it was a very tough thing to do in terms of go and and speak about her, because I, I realise that I don't do it enough. You know, I, I, I that that's what I think. I mean, I, I often reference Bali, but in terms of, you know, really talk about her and who she was and what she was about, I, you know, I feel like this has given me a big boost to to do it a lot more because she was just so so incredible. But you know, she died at the age of thirty. Well, for those people who listen, because we do, we assume we have people listening to this that maybe don't follow a lot of tennis. Maybe maybe they they come for the ish and they stay for the tennis. Um, just 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 give us just give us a little bit more about Bali, even from her her full name and where she came from and and how she got into tennis. Because I know they can go and watch the documentary, but you said it's kind of given you you should talk a little bit more about her. So talk a little bit more just just for those people listening who are thinking, well, who is this person that obviously had such a big impact? on you that maybe they've never heard of? Bali was what we all called her, but she's Elena Baltacha. She's uh, from Scotland. I mean, originally Ukrainian, but her and her family moved over when her dad was signed as a footballer in this country when she was very, very young. Um, And they grew up in Scotland. And, you know, she was a tennis player, British number one. Had some epic moments at Wimbledon. She was part of my Fed Cup team as well. And uh, as I say, she was, I think she was about five years older than, than I was. So when I was kind of a young whippersnapper thinking I knew what's what, she told me very quickly that I didn't. <laughs> so that was very helpful to have somebody doing that. And basically, as soon as she finished her playing career, she got married within a matter of months. That was kind of the plan. She was done with tennis, going to get married, have kids. And I think it was very, very soon after her wedding, talking matter of weeks, she got diagnosed with cancer, uh, liver cancer. And uh, it was just a, a few months later when she uh, uh, did pass away 
uh, in the end. So it was a very quick sort of situation and a a huge loss for British tennis and just tennis internationally. She was extraordinary. And it's just so unfair that that's the way that things ended for her and for her husband and for her family. It was just a really awful... I mean, you can't even really put it into words, to be honest. When, it's the sort of thing that when you try and describe it, it just doesn't even... You, you can't describe it because it was just absolutely horrendous. But she was a, an exceptional an exceptional person and uh, it was great to be a part of the documentary and as I say just sort of talking about her again nice to hear Anne Kjothevong saying that every Fed Cup tie they toast Bally because she was such a I mean 100% if she was still here she would be involved in Fed Cup just 100% whether she'd be captain or working with Anne or whatever it would be uh, she would be but uh, yeah so that is that's on the iPlayer so I've got I've now got two documentaries to watch this week which I will settle down and watch both. And we will, um, after Betsy's message, we will talk about the, the Andy Murray documentary because I've, I've only heard amazing things about it. And, and again, it's a documentary that's sort of getting Murray. It, it's sort of, it's getting out of the tennis world, isn't it? There's so many people that have talked about it and reacted to it that have got nothing to do with the tennis world. But it's, uh, we're both going to watch that. I'll probably watch that before you because you're going to be up a mountain summer. What is your, what's your plan from here? Apart from talking about Christian Garen and drinking cocktails, what's next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to brush up on my knowledge of Christian Garen. <laughs> more, more. And actually all historical Chilean tennis players. But the coaching carousel is the biggest thing, isn't it, in the off season? This is kind of when it all happens. So that is good. I really enjoy it when particularly, I think it's the WTA. Actually, I don't know who does it, but they come out with a graphic, don't they, of the coaching carousel? They've done that the last couple of years where it's kind of had all these arrows going in all these weird directions. <laughs> it's so confusing. And I've kept it for the last two seasons as a thing on my phone. Just I've saved the picture on my phone so that I, when in commentary, I can say, well, they were with this person and then to this person and now, and now they're here. Why are they here? <laughs> who knows? It's so confusing. Oh, some, some other tennis off-season news... Roberto Bautista Agut got married. Kiki Burton's got married. Yes. And Carla Suarez Navarro has confirmed, announced, confirmed that 2020 will be her last season on tour. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Well, I, I, I knew about the marriages because I knew they were planned. So before the season ended, I was pretty confident that Burton's was going to end up getting married. And so was Bautista <laughs> Agut. But um, I didn't know that about Suarez Navarro. So 2020 is going to be her last season. She's going to play the full season and then just it's going to be the send off. I think it's a little bit like the Bryan brothers who've got Flexible. their final season coming up. They want to sort of go out on their own terms. They want to go out as they want to go out. They want to go out playing to a very good level, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, it's, look, it's, uh, I, I can't wait for the new season to start, but then I also can. <laughs> I don't know. You know, before all of that, I've got the school Christmas fair on oh. Friday. Oh, man. And I've been put in charge of putting together a stall. Now You're running the, a stall? <laughs> well, not, not running on the day, but sort of, setting it all up so getting all the bits and putting it together That's and then amazing. other people are kind of run on the and I got put in charge of Rudolph's bits bits Rudolph's bits but then it was which I thought was quite a nice title Rudolph's bits you could have a smile but then we were told that maybe it was a little bit too suggestive having Rudolph's bits right <laughs> so 
We've now got Olaf's nose. Oh, okay. Now, this is someone from Frozen, because I, I did find out since our last podcast, when we were talking about great, the Great Britain team putting Frozen lyrics in, that there are other people out there that have not seen Frozen 1, let alone Frozen 2. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not alone in this. Um, I didn't know who yeah. Olaf was. But apparently Olaf is in Frozen, and now I'm in charge of Olaf's nose <laughs> instead of Rudolph's bits. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think Olaf's nose is better. I think you'll do, yeah, you'll be fine with, with Olaf. Do you think so? Yeah. I quite like Rudolph's bits, but it involves sort of carrots, funny coloured carrots, you pull one out, or bits and pieces. So I'm, I'm in charge of Olaf's nose. So that, that is, that is my week, getting stuff together for the... The schedule of being a parent <laughs> at a primary school is extraordinary. <laughs> the amount of work. Every week there's like an assignment. Do you, I think you have more homework than your children do. It's, oh, and I've, I've got some breaking nativity news. That oh. Wait, no, no. Now, I'm not having that. There cannot be any breaking nativity news. The nativity has been the way it's been for thousands of years. <laughs> you cannot tell me that it's now changed. Yes, but my children haven't been in it before. Oh, right. Oh, so this is the nativity that oh. matters. Okay. So wait, they've got their parts or what? They've got parts. The fact that you want to tell me means they've got good parts. <laughs> <laughs> you seem proud. <laughs> Depends what you call a good part. Well, I have a cow and I have a sheep. Oh, that's not bad. That because cows and sheep is that, is that not bad? were quite important. Like they were there. Were they? Why were they important? Yeah. I think they were just they there. Were there. Well, I think there's a lot of blonde girls in the class, so the angels were locked in. Yeah, I was an angel. That was my thing. But there were a lot of angels because I feel like there was only one really relevant in the nativity, but I was like angel number 11 or something, so Oh. Ouch, you know. that seems quite far yeah. down the angel. Well, there's there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of blonde angels. So the angels were sorted. Right. So I think the boys in the class are kind of animals. I think from donkeys cool. to sheep to cows. So are they happy th with the cows and sheep thing? They seem they seem delighted. I mean, they haven't come home with any lines to practice, any noises to practice. But we have. I think that's is it next week. I think it's next week. We'll have a cow and we'll have a sheep. So I will let you know how they perform. Awesome. As a cow and a sheep. Yeah. It's good because it's it's the tennis off season. The football, from my point of view, is quietened down a little bit. So now I can focus on cows, sheep and Olaf's nose. Sounds amazing. I'm going to go and focus on cocktails, <laughs> walking <laughs> and, and relaxing. So <laughs> it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Right. Go and, go and have your drink. And, and enjoy the rest of your honeymoon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.